and welcome to Africa, Stories in the 55. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. We're looking forward to 2017 and the world of African literature. We had the opportunity to talk to Wilfried Nsonde, a Congo-Brazzaville-born author of The Heart of the Leopard Children. It won many awards in France and has just been translated to English, published by University of Indiana Press. We asked Wilfried what his book is all about. I mean, you know, basically I wanted only to write a love story because I love literature because I first read the romantics of the 19th century. So as I decided to write my first novel, I wanted also to write a love story, intensive and sad at the end. And for that, I needed like a scene. I decided to write the story in the suburb of Paris and in Paris. I had to handle with social themes. I would describe my book as a romantic social novel. The character who doesn't really have a name, he shares a number of things in common with you, and one of them is is that you have also lived in Paris and in the suburbs. I mean, did you model that off of yourself or your experiences? It could be my life, but it's not. But for sure, you know, for a first novel, the inspiration, you find it in your own life, and for sure I ask some friends and because the main character is in prison and I've never been in prison so I had to talk with people who has been in prison I have to talk with people who works in prison in order to create quite realistic atmosphere it's a mix between things I have experienced others that I've invented and others I've heard about and it's like the character of Drissa it's very important for me and in the book is like the symbol of those youngers who really cannot handle with this psychological situation, living in the country of the human rights and being discriminated. It's something that affects all the characters, and that is, like you said, the issue of identity. This is part of my life. I grew up in a poor area around Paris, and there were some Jewish, Muslims, animists like me, and I mean... As we were young, it was okay. There was not the question of who are you, are you Muslim or Jewish. Those questions, they came afterwards as we were like 16, 17. And it's something strange for the characters because, first of all, they don't really understand what is it about. But the society puts kind of pressure on it. And at the end, each one has to identify himself. But on the way, he maybe doesn't want to. See, it's like Drissa. When he's at school, there is this scene at school, the teacher asks him, where are you from? And he would like to say, I'm from here, you know, but the teacher wants another answer. And this answer for the teacher should be, I'm from Africa or I'm black. And those are categories for Teresa which don't make sense. But he has to identify himself with words which are not his own words. And this is very difficult to handle. Yes, because he basically makes up stuff that he sees on TV the night before that about Africa and about a nameless country. Yeah, lions and villages, you know, things he doesn't mm. know. He has never experienced. But mm. in the eyes of the person who is asking him, those things are reality, but not the reality of Drissa. And at the end, each one of those young people identify himself with words who doesn't make sense the main characters reflecting back and forth. The narrator, he finds his voice to tell the reader about his life. 
there's also another character, a silent character, and he's the ancestor. It was not easy to write the words of the ancestor. In a way, he exists. I was born in Congo. I was born as a Bantu, and the spirituality is very important for me. The link with the dead ancestors. This is very important to, to think about it, especially in difficult situations. This young guy, because he's in a very, very, very bad situation in prison and he doesn't understand what's going on, he needs something deeper. And this is the voice of the ancestor, which is not only positive, but it helps. It can help. You working on something now? Yes, I'm, I'm writing now an historical book in 1604. It's a real story. It's um, a preacher from Congo, from the Kingdom of Congo, who has been invited in Rome, so 1604. The first interesting for me was that to drive to Europe at that time, he has to take a, a boat, which first took some slaves to Brazil. He had the same color than the slaves, but he was invited from the Vatican, so he was up of the boat. So for me, it was like an indication that at that time, 1604, it was not a question of being white or being black. It was a question of being slave or being someone invited from the Vatican. And these guys, he drove from Angola to Brazil and from Brazil to Portugal and from Portugal, Lisbon to Madrid. But he was arrested from the Inquisition. He spent a year in jail. The brothers of the Pope went to Toledo. They free him and they brought him to Rome. He met the Pope's the Pope 1608, and died. Until now, there is a statue of him in front of the church uh, Saint Major in Rome. And for me, it's a wonderful story because it's, first it's like adventure, and on the other hand, this is also the, the perception of an African about Europe from that time. In this novel, I never mentioned the color of the people. So it's, it's a big deal because to talk about slavery at that time without talking about color is not easy, but it's interesting. Up next, we spoke to the co-founders of Bahati Books, who showcase the best and brightest writers from Africa and the diaspora. Here's Kudakwashe Kamupira to tell us more about the company. Essentially, Bahati Books is an e-book publishing company. We publish and promote African literature written by authors of African origin. Bahati Books really started from a frustration. So both myself and my co-founder, Barbara Njau, we are both uh, first-generation immigrants. And one of the things that we found when we first came to the UK was that We've both been quite avid readers from a very young age. And we found that most of the literature that we were reading was never really reflecting us, both of us having lived on the continent, myself in Zimbabwe and Barbara in Kenya. We found that most of the experiences that we had seen growing up did not seem to be reflected in any of these books, nor were any of these characters reflective of who we were and the way we looked. 
So we decided to create this platform essentially to showcase the diverse narratives about Africa and that are written by the plethora of writers that are across the continent beyond those that are reflected in the mainstream. For you personally, I mean, what are you looking forward to for 2017? We've been running for just over a year and a half now. Most of our titles to begin with were short stories because it was much more easier to curate that. But this year, we're actually going to be starting to publish our first full-titled novels. One of the exciting books that we are publishing in March of this year is called My Mind is No Longer Here. It's written by a gentleman from Nigeria. His name is Silva de Ifedigbo. It's a really interesting story because it's a story that's told in first voice from four different characters. And it depicts their desperation to actually leave the country. What's actually interesting about it is that it draws on all the reasons, I would say, why a lot of people, when a country is undergoing a lot of change and upheaval, what actually drives people to now start to dream bigger and start to dream about new beginnings and new things. But also at the same time, there's a very interesting twist, which I won't say at the moment. <laughs> I'll just say, buy the book when you get it. It's a fantastic story. He's extremely talented, and we're really looking forward to publishing that book as well. We also spoke to Barbara Njau, Bahati Books' other co-founder, to tell us about what the trends are for African publishing in 2017. The trends are quite interesting when it comes to African publishing. We're among a cohort of young but fast-growing publishers focused on African literature. There's been a movement, particularly in the UK, but also increasingly across Africa, to look at stories and find different stories that reflect not only Africa from a non-stereotypical perspective, but also Africa from a contemporary perspective. The second trend, which we are following very closely, is e-books. And so one of the things that you find, particularly with literature, but also even in the educational perspective, is access to written content and material has been historically quite expensive. Number one, because of the distribution costs, which tend to be passed on to the customer. So what has happened is publishers such as us, have focused on e-books where distribution costs are no longer an issue. There's also a lot of companies who produce e-books that are making them much cheaper, much more accessible and more widely accessible to different people across Africa. The final interesting publishing trend to make note of is how diverse the stories are becoming. Recently, I attended a sci-fi conference looking at stories and sci-fi produced in African fiction. And I think that's something that's quite interesting to make note of. Things are opening up. People are like, what? African sci-fi? And yet writers on the continent are saying, of course, sci-fi is more African than anything else. When it comes to Western titles, a lot of these genres have already saturated. So when you think of sci-fi, you can think of Star Wars automatically. When you think of fantasy, automatically you think of Harry Potter. What's currently happening, there's a larger group of people, especially young Africans, who are very well educated. In the 50s, 60s, the post-independence generation, there was a very small group of people who were quite educated, but they wrote according to conventions taken from Europe. If you write a story, it has to be like this and like that. And now you find a lot more free thinking and more educated Africans who want to say, you know, how can I infuse things that are written in traditional folklore in my story today and maybe also make it relatable so you can have somebody who's having a sci-fi novel based in Lagos, but they're also your contemporary millennial. So the key character can be a millennial 
world, but having a really strange and interesting sci-fi experience based in Lagos. One of the trends that's pushing that is just far more people who are pushing the envelope a bit more. Now, so someone, let's say in Malawi, is learning about somebody in Cameroon, for instance, and and, uh, how their uh, experiences are are shared and how they are different. So do you think that with more access, there's more interest within the continent? Definitely. And even one of the misconceptions that I find Africans themselves have is that we all have quite similar experiences. And what you're finding especially and why digital is so powerful and even the internet is so powerful is you can follow somebody on Twitter who's Malawian, as you mentioned, and you can be Cameroonian. And you find that the stories that they have to share and their experiences and their everyday realities are so different to your own everyday realities as a Cameroonian. And as a result, that's driving and pushing interest in what is out there, particularly from the literature perspective. Um, there's a lot of Africans themselves who are saying, oh, I want to read, um, you know, what an Egyptian person has to write about love or what a um, Nigerian person has to write about sci-fi. You know, um, I hope one day to read a sci-fi novel based in um, Mauritania. Um, and so you find that there's interest across different Africans, but also there's interest outside. So um, in the UK, particularly, when we go to different conferences and we speak to People who hear about Bahati books for the first time, they say, wow, I didn't realize, I thought all of Africa writing was just about blood diamonds and child soldiers. You know, this is English people, this is American people, and they get really fascinated when they hear that, you know, there's some interesting stories. Um, For example, one of our authors called Stanley, who writes about albinos and the albino trade in Kenya. And however, there's also interesting stories about romance in Nigeria. And so on the whole, what we're finding and one of the reasons why there's a huge drive around African writing and African literature kind of following the similar trends that are happening in fashion for African fashion is because people are starting to discover both in Africa and outside that there's so much diversity in what's written and what people have to say. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. If you enjoyed these interviews, you can listen to the full interview on our website. We also want to hear from you. Please write us at storiesinthe55 at rfi.fr. That's storiesinthe55, two numbers, at rfi.fr. Tell us what African literature you're reading. 